One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. This week, I'm back with a very special guest. It's Roz Purcell. Rosanna Purcell, also as you may know her, she is an author, she's an entrepreneur, she is a body positive activist, and she is a former model, and she tells her story of anxiety from her very early 20s when she was over in America working in an incredibly high-pressure environment as a model, and all that went along with that, and how she overcame that she talks about her eating disorder and then we talk about anxiety more these days that she experiences and so last year she had a quite a hard time with anxiety surrounding the pressure to be a certain way in social media and reach certain numbers and she talks about all of that with such awareness and she's just really intelligent and has learned an awful lot and has so much wisdom and I personally was like scribbling down so much of what she was saying and making little quotes for myself to remind myself of every now and then so I had a really amazing chat with her I hope you enjoy it and yeah if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support please do buy only it the anxiety book or the confidence kit and if you have it already maybe buy it for a friend and also let me know in your feedback in your reviews if you're happy to keep getting mini episodes from just me where I talk through a specific topic or an issue or try and uh, solve a particular problem let me know because I enjoy doing those ones as well and in in between the, the guest episodes so enjoy and I will chat to you soon so you're an author you're a entrepreneur yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that word because like people are always like, oh, an entrepreneur, you, you start an from feeder. And I'm like, but I still think of natural feeder as like my mini project, my little baby that I don't look at it as a business, which but, is terrible. But it is though. I mean, it's I a feel, big business. See, I, and I'm quite honest with this. Like I don't have a business head at all. I'm just so passionate, passionate mm-hmm. and really creative person that I'm not great with the business side of things. Same. So I definitely need, I, I think this year is the first year I've come to terms with understanding that sometimes you need to ask for help. Yeah. Uh, so with my sister, she does a little bit of natural from feeder, but she's a full time job, and obviously Rachel also has CML, so she's a lot yeah. on her plate. Uh, but with my agency now, they've really helped me find teams for different things, and I think a huge part of 
being self-employed is understanding the areas you're not good at mm-hmm. and that's something that's really hard because I think when you're self-employed and running your own business you have this kind of control issue well I know I do mm-hmm. I want to be on everything I'll know because, I, it, because I, it is you though it it's, is it's you. your work and it's your ideas I think when someone else is doing a job for me I'm I'm anxious that they're not doing it right I, know. I think you just have to realize that you can't be like that because yeah. if you want to grow you need to trust other people and be willing to learn yeah and even yeah. in people in full-time roles like something samantha barry of glamour says mm-hmm. i started time, following her i love her now she's fab but she yeah. says you know i guess when she was going into her role as, as editor people like lots of people were like oh like who is this woman what is her experience and she's so willing to like say well i don't know everything i'm coming from a digital background but and be willing to like own the fact that you've got gaps in your knowledge and mm-hmm. let other people fill them in. That's like a true sign of confidence and leadership, I 100%. think. 100%. And it sort of helps with anxiety as well, which is what we're going to talk about today. Yes. And I guess more recently, with what you've been doing on social media, you would describe yourself as a body positive advocate or activist, or how would you phrase it? I guess for me, I find social media a very difficult place to be. And kind of last year, I think I started to realise that was because of the people I follow, the people who, you know, I would have followed from the very start. And if I was coming off social media feeling bad about myself, I thought of all the other younger people or older or older women across Ireland who are feeling the same and probably even more because I'm coming from an area where I understand Photoshop and photo skills from the modeling background. Like I've seen photos of myself and they've taken off my, my mole tag and stuff, you know, that can be so... Uh, I realized that I wanted my page to be a place that people felt better about themselves leaving. Mm -hmm. And that in no way means like I'm putting myself down for other people to feel better. I'm just being honest and real. And, you know, I think when it comes to a body activist or advocate, like, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not 100% the perfect candidate for that because I'm only starting my journey. So there's been a lot of times where my language maybe isn't correct and it's a whole learning experience Mm -hmm. for me and I've definitely there's definitely a community of women now on social media who are doing the same thing and we're all kind of learning from each other Mm -hmm. and I suppose I want to be the voice that my younger self needed to hear yeah and that's how I just look at social media now obviously there's you know there is like paid partnerships in between that and obviously jobs because social media is a tool obviously to make income off and to promote yourself but I suppose I don't look at it as a place where I need validation or to feed my ego anymore. And when did that change for you? Um, well, I guess at 25, I kind of gotten over all my kind of disordered eating. And it took a number of years to kind of, not, not control it, but manage it. So I really feel like it was only the last year I'm definitely back to my confident self that I would have been growing up. Mm-hmm. And... You also have a brand new podcast, Bite Back, which is incredible. And I'm sure everyone who listens to this will have already listened to your first episode. You've got your second one going live mm-hmm. soon. Um, so how how has all of this, I guess, taking ownership of everything from a selfie showing reality versus Instagram or owning the dimples on the thighs, which we yeah. all have, to putting it out there with a podcast? How has that helped your anxiety? Well, I guess... It was only really when I was doing the podcast, it made me realize that sometimes, you know, when you're talking about something that happened in your past, your body kind of doesn't really understand if it's living it or talking about the past. Because it definitely brought up a lot of anxiety when I was recording the podcast and a lot of emotions. You'll kind of notice, I think in my episode, you can definitely hear that I was crying. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because even though I know all this and I've dealt with it, Speaking it out loud is a total different thing and sharing it with people. 
But I kind of feel once that episode went out and now it's been a week, it's really helped me just let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's because I've talked about it now. I've put it out there. Hopefully it'll help someone. But it definitely has helped me about... I was so happy I got to a place where I was able to share it from a from a side where I know I'll never be back there. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, I guess for me, so much of it is... You know, people say, oh, like, you know, your help, the books are helping people or the podcast is helping people, which is amazing. But I guess what started me writing and I guess what started you is your own experience of feeling like it makes you feel better to say, look, I'm a normal human being. I have flaws. And I and I, for me, it was kind of like it also a defense mechanism. I don't know if you felt that way where it's like you can't don't anyone hold me up to some like perfection light because I'm telling you that I'm not. Yeah, I guess for me, it really felt like a liberation. Yeah, I felt like I realized and I got back this common sense when I had when I, was a, when I was a teenager that we're actually bred as females to not like ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's how brands get money off us and, you know, gyms, whatever it is. And I kind of felt like just rebelling against it and being like, well, fuck that. Yeah, exactly. And just being myself. And yeah. what I realized from that, you know, my first post where I started to be more honest and showing the reality, it was so liberating. Mm-hmm. And it actually brought women together and women and men and I was like that's that's something that makes me enjoy social media that's something that makes me understand what I can give to other people and that's turning it into a very positive tool because of all the chats that I have with people social media can be like for me it has always been a driver of anxiety and I'm still we were talking before we recording I'm still trying to figure out my relationship with it where I'm on it and it's serving me and it's useful but it's not draining me it's not you know taking from mm-hmm. me or, or driving any more anxiety but it is such a fine it's such a fine balance to get to it's such a fine balance and definitely last year I think obviously I've spoken about my disordered eating but last year was the most anxious I've probably ever been really? and I went and I went I went and I went <laughs> I went to a counsellor uh, because obviously that has really helped me previously with um, eating and I went to about six sessions and I kind of I kind of came out and I felt better, but I, I wasn't sure was it really that or was it the fact that I finally understood how to take social media. It is a platform to promote yourself, but you have to always be thinking that if it goes tomorrow that you have other things. So mm-hmm. I always like to say that just try to remember and ensure that your real life offline is greater than your online life. I think a lot of us fester and we spend so much time and energy in building ourselves online. We forget to build ourselves offline, our relationships and our careers. Such a good point. And I've definitely had that turning point, thank God. And I'm being really honest, last year I got so obsessed and with the pressure was that feeling... Was that the driver of anxiety last year with social media? Big time. I got so obsessed with the feeling that I had to keep growing on social, that I I had to do it in order to get jobs and the pressure of even, like I'm not a money person, but the pressure I think I felt of being in this really competitive environment again. And I don't deal well with numbers anyway. You know, I've spoken about that in my podcast with food. So I felt like all those anxieties were coming back. Uh, But I'm glad I had the awareness to go and speak to someone Mm -hmm. and I think that probably comes with a bit of age as well so I went and I I went to psychologist and you know I felt silly saying it out loud I think that's one of the things when you actually talk to someone about it you're able to rationalize it and go that's such it's just numbers yeah and I feel like I'm in an industry where we're all playing rat race with each other Mm -hmm. sometimes and I don't speak about this a lot because I don't like to kind of sometimes open up about it because I people might 
think it's silly but in an industry that we are like it's all numbers yeah, it's if you get booked numbers. for a job they want your numbers mm-hmm. Every, everything's about numbers and it can be really really stressful so I completely take social media now with a pinch of salt and I try to enjoy it and my way of enjoying it is offering people something mm-hmm. going online being honest being informative whether it's like something simple as sharing a recipe or it's informative content about you know x y and z like fitness or um i'm just sharing something that's going to make someone's day better so it's about body confidence and getting offline yeah sharing it i will always go back and engage with people who engage with me mm. but i don't necessarily scroll through instagram anymore i don't go onto the explorer page and look oh, at all that's these what people. i'm trying really hard but yeah. i just it's like i i don't even think about it it's just a habit i just pick up the phone first thing in the morning and i'm trying to now leave the phone away from the bed or even you know if you're stuck at a bus stop and or you're waiting for a taxi or whatever and i just pick it up and scroll or like say if you went to the bathroom now the first thing i do is pick up my phone and i'm trying to like embrace a little bit of boredom as well it's so hard because and i feel like when i do like if i go away for a weekend sometimes i've left my phone at home and i feel unbelievable the Mm. minute i pick it back up i'm back to square one yeah i think it's finding that balance like i guess when i go on social media and look i still scroll a little bit but i kind of now you can pick the topics and I just pick food like if anyone stole my phone they'd be like jackpot but they just see all these photos (laughs) of food and dogs so um I understand what triggers me yeah what it makes me anxious and I think that's really important for a person to understand for in order to get over something you need to understand where it's coming from and that's that's what I kind of do with social media like I understand by there was a lot of people I used to follow online when I first started that are just so unrelatable to who I am now in terms of you know I would have looked at them as fitspos or body inspo and it's so unrelatable to me now and I just want to be me and I just kind of have, you have to do a haul on your Instagram, just and cut people out. Do you think, I mean, there's a few other people who would have very big followings like you who also are calling bullshit like Jamila, Jamil and yeah. she's brilliant. Um, do you think that the tide is changing where everyone with, with a huge following is also realising what you're realising or do you think there's still a lot of perfection out there? There's definitely a lot of perfection still out there and... Um, I completely understand why like it is a very pressuring industry to be on be in and I never judge someone if I go onto their page mm-hmm. and all they're showing is the good sides or you know their photos are edited whatever because I actually feel sorry for them that they can't just embrace mm-hmm. the reality you know a little bit of reality that they're living up to this perfection so I understand what it's like to feel like you're living up to this image of what mm-hmm. people think of you um so I just kind of feel sad. And it's so hard when in your career and in my career, when so much of our work is to do with those numbers. And I guess your value as an employee or as a worker is linked, your worth to a brand is linked to numbers. So it's very hard not to mix that up with your self-worth. Yeah, I guess. So I went from relying on my self-worth to what body weight I was. So yeah. whatever body weight I was, was equal to my self-worth. And I think... You know, I was able to manage that, get through that. But I think by the time that was over, social media was really on high. And Mm -hmm. I felt like I was back to that same thing where my self-worth was on how many numbers I had on social media. I think there's a lot of people out there, especially young girls. I get lots of messages of young girls who say, oh, you know, there's a girl in my class. She gets like a thousand likes and I only get like 50. Mm -hmm. And we're totally the same. I don't understand. And that is such a sad way to live life I know. you know and I think we just have to as I said earlier remember that your real life offline is the one you need to prioritize and if online can complement that you know make connections you can communicate with friends that's great but we have to remember social media was created to be social with people yeah. not to feel bad 
That's such a good point. And for me, so many, so much of the time, it is a tool that I mightn't even be aware of something, you know, like being a freelancer. And then mm-hmm. I pick up my phone and I scroll and I see five other people who maybe got gigs that I thought I didn't even know were up for grabs. And yeah. suddenly I'm like, oh, am I not good enough for that? And it's just, it's such a slippery slope, but, but having it in your pocket and your phone just makes it so much easier. And I talk so much about the importance of going in your own lane and like mm-hmm. having the blinkers on, which you clearly have learned to do. But social media is like, whacking the blinkers off and forcing you to look left and right yeah so, I think that there's a huge like I'm trying to pick a word here mm-hmm. there's a huge thing I'm just mm-hmm. thing that we need to kind of learn as a society and I think there is an element that comes in of you know envy and jealousy on social media and I think you need to be able to go onto someone's page or see that they, okay they got the job that you didn't mm-hmm. even know about but now you want it or they have oh, like stunning clothes a yeah. great body to actually just go on and go she is fantastic or he is great but so am I exactly and move on and that you know that sounds like I think a lot of Irish people we associate that with being cocky mm-hmm. where it's 100%. actually just being confident yeah and understanding that this is the same body you're gonna have for the rest of your life you're the same brain you're gonna have for the rest of life you can grow it mm-hmm. or you can stay in the same place yeah so take me back to Roz before modeling mm-hmm. was your anxiety an issue then were you an no. anxious kid like I am the most chilled out person ever and especially as a kid didn't care about anything all I wanted to do was go outside play sports and bake cakes like mm. I was obsessed with cooking and baking I used to always be like I want to be a cooker and my parents would be like you can't be a cooker because that's an object. Chef. <laughs> and I was like, I want to be a cooker. And they were like, oh God. So um, yeah, really chilled out. The only thing I had anxiety about growing up, and this sounds so funny, but was wasting electricity. Oh, but that's a very good anxiety, yeah. I suppose. So I was really scared about the environment You as were a child. way ahead of the curve. Yeah, I was actually... <laughs> and I remember you know, if we were leaving the house, I'd have to go around and check every socket like twice and turn off everything. And I don't know if that's just because my parents we're very aware of what we were using from a money point of view. Like we had a farm, so we could never waste any water. Like our mum would like time our showers because we always paid for water because we were a farm. Mm. So I think it was probably a little bit from my parents' dress that kind of filtered down to me, but I really stressed about that. Uh, But growing up, I never had any issues with my body. Um, As a teenager, I never really overthought it. I was aware that, example, my best friend was slim Mm -hmm. and slimmer than me, but... I didn't hate myself for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I didn't look at training as anything other than something to be enjoyed. And, I never, sport, and yeah. I never called food bad or good. Okay. So yeah, training was never about aesthetics for you. No. And then did you make a conscious decision? I'm really interested in your journey into modeling. Did you, did someone say to you, you should do this? It's a good industry. Or did you think it would be a nice career? Or how did you get into it? I think growing up, the big show at the time was America's Next Time Model. Mm. And I'd watch it at home and think, oh my God, that would be so cool to be a model in New York. Uh, but I kind of didn't really plan, if that mm. makes sense. I never went into an agency or anything like that. I was up in Dublin. It was my first week of college and there was some kind of casting going on in Dundrum. And I'm pretty sure I was actually coming from a night out. <laughs> so I was like in jeans and heels and the same makeup from the night before and someone came up and they're like oh you should think about modeling you should enter this competition they're doing this competition and at the time I felt really bad because I was with my friend who really wanted to be a model and I just remember feeling so bad because she always said she wanted to be a model and she sent in photos 
to agencies and things. So I don't, I don't even really remember what happened that day. I just remember feeling so bad because I would have rather mm. her get it. I didn't yeah. really care. Um, but that's what started me modeling. And I, even though I knew I was, well, I kind of felt like I was a bit bigger than everyone else, but well, not bigger. I was athletic. Um, I never for a second thought about not eating mm-hmm. to be the same size. I just didn't care. And did I didn't you, take it I seriously. Mean, yeah. And I guess it's a given when, look, it's the same reason as liking getting likes on Instagram, but did you enjoy or notice the benefits of the validation of someone commenting on your aesthetics in a positive way? Um, well, I think it's human nature mm-hmm. to, when someone gives you a compliment to feel good about yourself, mm-hmm. to feel better about yourself. But then there's a fine line between commenting, which I'll probably get to in a little bit. Um, but first of all, like when I started modeling, I was probably modeling for two years before I went to New York. And I had been told in between that time, oh, you know, you should rethink about like toning up. And who you know, would this be, an agent? Yeah, or? agent, yeah. And I would be like, yeah, yeah, grand. But I would never for a second be, oh my God, I hate myself. I'd be like, oh yeah, they want me to tone up, but sure, I'll just go for an extra run every week and I just won't eat chocolate. You know, I was mm-hmm. came from a very just relaxed relaxed yeah. um way of looking at it and I went away and I'm obviously I was under huge pressure to lose weight there and I think that's when I started dieting and kind of yo-yo dieting um and you know back then 10 years ago when you'd google how to lose weight the quickest it was like cut out carbs cut out all these things so I think in a way I just went through a period in my from about 20 to 21 where I my weight fluctuated quite a lot because I would lose weight really quickly gain it really quickly lose it really quickly and by the time I got home at about 21 and a half almost 22 I had this really horrible image of myself I think because I felt like such a failure that I couldn't control my eating habits Mm. um and I think my life was all over the place and that you know it's like any industry it's like what I, my industry now but nothing's guaranteed it's very um everything's always up in the air you don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. next week until the day fickle. before mm-hmm. it's very fickle and I felt like everything in my life was so out of control that the one thing I could control was my food mm-hmm. and that's how I kind of started to really get into disordered eating and did you was it common among the girls that you were modeling with were, were they like nailing the diets and you feeling like oh you need to be as good as them or were they also struggling no what the really annoying thing was everyone seemed like they were just naturally okay. that shape and I was really really resentful that I wasn't naturally like that mm-hmm. because I'd get home and the other models living in the apartment in in New York would be like drinking wine eating cheese and I just wouldn't be eating Mm -hmm. and I was always so resentful and I just wished that I had been born with a different body and I think getting home that there was so much going on in that I hated my body but I blamed food for it Mm. um and that's kind of when I just started to become obsessed with being tiny and even when I was really really small in my head I was always bigger so I look back in photos I'm like oh I was so tiny but I remember at that time thinking I wasn't small enough like your literally eyes in the mirror are telling you they're, they're seeing something completely different than what's there yeah wow um so yeah it just that was a really kind of troubling part of my 20s because I wasted so much time and so much opportunities and relationships and just life in general, because I was so controlled by what I looked like. And you're so young. I mean, 2021, 20, when I think back to myself, you're so vulnerable. You're figuring out who you are. And to be thrust into an environment like that, where you get stripped of all that, um, I guess, naivety mm. and security that you had in yourself and confidence was, 
it's just the early 20s I think are, are where everyone I speak to seems to have that's where anxiety comes into their life yeah. when you think oh I'm an adult now but I actually don't really feel like mm-hmm. one and suddenly you're in adult situations but you're not really sure how to be an adult it seems very common yeah I feel like from 2021 20, I did about 10 years growing up wow. traveling so when I got back I just felt really disheartened and you know like you said like yeah. all my naivety was gone and did you enjoy the modeling I did and you know it gave me so many opportunities to travel but I feel like honestly and I, I I never regret things in life and like everything happens for a reason get over it but if I was living life again I'm not sure would I do it and would you recommend anyone else go into modeling it depends on the person you know if if someone's really well you see I was really confident in myself so what I would say is some people are built for it and some people are not mm-hmm. like the great thing about modeling now is that there's so much diversity and yeah. you know it's very inclusive so I think I just modeled at the wrong time but um what I'm going to touch on is that mm-hmm. when I was getting small and losing a lot of weight I would always get complimented for it yeah. people would always go oh my god you look great you've lost so much weight um and therefore I think it really became this thing where the, I knew the better version of me and the version everyone liked was the really really small version of me so when I was kind of coming out of disordered eating getting help my biggest fear was people wouldn't like me that way so I think we have to be really careful on how we comment and compliment people mm-hmm. and that's become something that's really that's opened my eyes to how the language I use and how I speak to people yeah planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. But I used to get this, I know obviously it's a podcast for anxiety, so I'm going to bring it back to that, but mm. I used to get this really like burning sensation in my chest but it was like it was like more in my throat where it was like a really deep feeling in my throat that there was like almost like a big lump in my throat yeah and I would just get it all day long from the second I woke up this really bad anxiety and it was and I was I always thought it was just about food but I actually think it was this 
desire to be able to control absolutely everything and obviously when you look at life food is really the only thing we can control mm. and I just took it out on that and I would just walk around with such bad anxiety and did you years. even did you even know it was anxiety like did it did, did that was that so normal for you to wake up feeling that way that you never said actually I'm anxious about this or because I feel like a lot of people like with anxiety can manifest in so many different ways where I don't know we'll, we'll talk about gut issues as well which mm. was my big thing where it was like, oh, I just have gut issues. I never sort of connected the two. Yeah. And I guess as with Louise O'Neill, I had the same, a similar conversation with her about how she channeled her anxiety into the eating disorder because it was something she could control. And when mm. she got that sorted out, suddenly she had to confront the reality of that anxiety. Yeah. Well, I guess with me, I always was like, I'm not an anxious person because I was still very much, I'm Roz. I haven't lost my identity. Whereas I think... When I started disordered eating, I lost who I was completely. I was totally a different person. I was so uptight. Everything was either my way or the highway. And I had to like meticulously have everything planned before I'd go to sleep. And if something went out of my control, which of course it's life that's mm-hmm. going to happen, I would just be so angry. Mm. Um, so I kind of feel like there were so many things going on. And I obviously talk about disordered eating, but... It was all around control and how I just had this ego almost that I had to be the best. I had to be doing these things where, and I think I'm, maybe it's with age, you kind of just let go of that ego and you just realize, oh, life it's is the joy short. of approaching your 30s. It's yeah, it's just, just like you get rid of your ego and you just realize that life is for living. Like you weren't born to please mm. everyone and then die. Yeah. You know? And did you ever have panic attacks? No, like, well, it's weird. I suppose the thing about it is, I don't know, do you just understand what they are when you have them? Like, mm-hmm. I've, I definitely had, I remember days where I couldn't get out of bed, but it was more like, I had. well, I have really bad anxiety, but I would always scratch myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't really know, is that a panic attack or is that just like really bad anxiety where... Yeah, it just manifests in different ways. Yeah. I mean, like for me, my panic attacks were never something that people would say, oh, she's having one right now. Like I would be look completely as I am now, but inside, it, like you said, that feeling of like fire or ball in your chest, yeah. it would just like flood like throughout your limbs and you're like, it's as if your body needs to escape or do something, but yeah. it can't because there's nothing to actually mm. flee from or nothing to fight. And the resistance is being created by yourself, yeah. I suppose. Well, at what point did you decide fuck this shit like were you were you still a model at the time or was it much later I gave up modeling at about 24 and I know a lot of people like oh like why are you stopping modeling and I was always like I want to you know leave modeling for it leaves me and that was always the tagline I said but it was because I realized I kind of this was kind of before I really wanted to go get help I kind of thought that if I got rid of modeling I'd get rid of that pressure Mm. but sure that didn't get rid of the pressure at all like I'm still known I still had jobs I still was then booked for other jobs they weren't modeling but they were still jobs where I'd get photos and stuff so I had to kind of tackle it head on then and just go to CBT when I was 25 Mm. and I think I'd had a really kind of rough year that year my sister got diagnosed with CML and I think I had so many different things happen to me that I realized that life is totally out of your control and that's what life is about Mm -hmm. and if I continually keep trying to control it it's just I'm at war with myself so Mm. I and obviously the fact that you know my sister who were really close Mm. has gotten sick it kind of put into priority that you know my body has so many other functions than just looking away you know it made me look at my body in a different way and I think that was a real turning point in that when I went and got help I wasn't resisting it anymore yeah because I'd been to CBT 
like a year or two before that and I kind of just did it to tick a box because people around me were trying to get me to go and I was like oh yeah I'm going it's fine but I don't think I was really speaking the truth to Mm. the um, psychologist and how was it for you when you started to really own that like with your family and your friends your nearest and dearest and with a therapist did, did you feel a release yeah and you know what it happened almost <laughs> and I people are always like how did you do it and I'm like god I wish I could put it in a bottle and tell you exactly I think everyone's experience is different mm. but I think once I accepted that I was going to embrace the chaos and just go with the flow and not have so many body hang-ups and just understand that it, like I had to put on weight and what something people don't talk about a lot with eating disorders is it actually gets worse before it gets better so yeah yeah putting on weight is one of the hardest parts and understanding that it's okay because obviously as society putting on weight it seems like a bad thing mm. um so I think it was in the space between 25 to 26 I really came back to myself and it was only when I was down at my sister's house recently she was like oh my god it was so weird when you were you know 22 23 like I just thought that like you had grown into your personality and you were just this really just mad person you know that you were just a really unhappy person and I always thought that was really sad that you know from growing up you're always so much fun that you just kind of your personality grew into this really cold person and then she was like but then you know once you got help you were just back back to how I was growing Mm. up and it was honestly like someone else took control of me wow and yeah it just and obviously since then as I said like last year I was really anxious but I was able to be aware of it and deal with it which I think is different um than before because I was able to understand where this where the anxiety was coming from it was coming through social media and be able to change my thoughts around it. Mm. So CBT, like being able to change my behavior around it, be able to rationalize why I'm thinking that way and therefore being able to just let it go. From the outside looking in and like following your career from when you were in your early 20s um, and I'm 31 tomorrow, actually. Um, so Happy I've, birthday. Thanks. Um, you've always been portrayed in the media by as like very much the girl next door, Ireland's sweetheart. Sweetheart? Heart. Mm. And I guess perfection would surround that and the pictures that we would have seen so how did it feel for the world or for at least Ireland to think of you as that person and then for you to say actually I'm not were you did that create more anxiety in in the sharing because obviously you got to a point where you decided to share this yeah definitely the anxiety was worse when I was getting help at 25 because you know I'd be in there and I was kind of trying to explain it to be to the counsellor that she'd be like and what's your fear and I'd be like people understanding that I'm not I felt like I was lying to people you know people would always say to me how do you stay in shape how do you get so slim and I'd be like it's fine I eat whatever I want I like training you know I didn't want to tell the truth because the truth was I'm starving myself and I'm training twice a day so being able to it was just this pressure of living up to this person mm. and this person that I had created. Yeah, that's another question I had for you was like so much of the, the anxiety that we feel or the pressure of what people will think about is, is self-perpetuating. You know, it's self-stigmatizing. Not so much that the world is going to say, oh, hang on, Ross yeah. isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, so did you find that when you put it out there, you were like, hold on a minute, people are far more understanding than maybe I was... Yeah, I think I realized that I was so unrelatable mm. when I 
was pretending to be someone and I it kind of made me sad that maybe if I'd been a little bit more honest with people I probably would have helped people a bit more and I think it's I'm only at this age where I can probably look back and go you know I always worry about the influence I might have had when I was younger and I was being one of those people that you know build this this perfect picture when in reality it was a complete mess mm. So what would you say to people who are maybe in their early 20s or teens listening and they're on social media and they're thinking, I don't have that many followers or I don't look like that. And, you know, we often say, look, you're comparing your behind the scenes with someone's yeah. highlights reel, which I'm getting almost tired with, but it's, it rings <laughs> yeah. true all the time. What would you say to people who would have, I mean, even for me, I would have looked at you and, and found you quite intimidating. Yeah even just on it the surface. so mad because I'm so not like that I know. Yeah. I, like one time someone said that about me and I was like, what? I like, my whole personal brand is being like the big dorky Egypt that yeah. I am now, you know? I'm like, I so don't have my shit together. I'm still in my head. Like obviously, I, I definitely feel like, I'm, I definitely feel I'm a little bit older than 28 and that. Yeah. I think I've gone through loads of different life experiences. Tra- I've done so much travel and life learning but at the same time, I don't feel ready to be an adult. I'm like, no, because I feel like there was a lot of time in my early 20s where I was so restrictive on myself that I didn't get to enjoy life. But um, yeah, I guess people going on social media and they're constantly comparing their lives. And it's such, it's like a click away. It's so easy to do. You just have to remember, like I said, like all that time we put into online, like, and I'm the same, you know, whether it's like putting content together or whatever. If you spent that much time and thought in your real life, mm. you wouldn't need the validation from online. Mm. How do you measure your self-worth these days? I don't even think about it. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm mean, I don't think about it at all. And I don't know, maybe some people would be like, oh, that's wrong. You have to have self-worth. But I have it that I don't need to think about it. Yeah. Um, and I guess... I've gotten to a stage in my life where if I'm going to a job and before I used to be like, I don't deserve this, I'm going to fail and all this negative thought that I'm like, I'm going to kill this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I really have changed my self-thought and I know as Irish people we call that cocky, but... No, it's it's actually such a problem and I don't even know if it's just an Irish thing or, or even a female thing where, you know, a man can say, like, he can be kind of bravado whatever mm-hmm. where women are so much more likable I guess when they're like oh just little old me and yeah. we constantly confuse it as arrogance and if we if we constantly if I judged you for being confident as being up yourself yeah and you were afraid to put out your confidence in case I was then mm-hmm. what what's the point of having confidence what's the point of having like confidence? I should look at your confidence and get confidence from yeah. it and you know what you don't need to shout and scream about your confidence you no. just need to tell yourself yeah that's all that matters so when people say to me oh how do you think your next book's going to be like I don't know I hope people buy it but inside I'm like I know I put so much hard work into this book that people are going to buy it because they'll understand they'll see that I've created such a good book and I think you need to always be your number one fan Mm. and that is such a hard thing to do but and I think what I'm starting to realize is you don't have to go through all the shit that I went through to understand that so if I was saying something to any, you know, one in their early 20s or, you know, late teens, you have to be able to practice set good self-talk. Mm. And I don't think that's taught enough. Like, I think that should be in schools. No, self-talk, because, self-compassion. Yeah, because I definitely think, like, we're a nation of, and I'm, I kind of had this thing where you always had to be doing. If you weren't doing, you were a failure. 
So I was always had this like anxiety that I always had to be moving, always had to be working. And it's like, where where do you have time to have self-care or mm. relax? So kind of understanding that, and I think that, you know, I'm obviously saying a lot in one go, but that really needs to be thought because, you know, there's people like you and I, we've lived through, so we understand mm-hmm. it, but young people, like, yeah. and it's going to be even worse for them with social media. I know, I know. I just feel so grateful that, it came along when I was relatively able to, like emotionally intelligent, mm-hmm. I suppose, or having that self-awareness. But it's funny you mentioned that about having to go through what you went through. So many people who I talked to, and even I had a chat with Pat Dively who said, unfortunately, people seem to have to get to the point of burnout or breakdown or complete an utter metamorphosis before they realize what's really important and that like happiness is an inside 100%. job. 100%. So like, what can we do to avoid people having to get to that point before they realize where their head should be at yeah no this is that is so true because obviously like I think with the food and and disordered eating I got to like a breakdown at 25 where so much bad things happened to me in in a very short space of time I realized that I couldn't control everything and that was fine and I was able to I think I got so low I knew I had to help myself to get better so that's when I went to CBT and last year I think I got so bad again and it was a similar anxiety in that the feeling, but I knew it had nothing to do with food. And it had nothing to do with how I looked at myself. It mm-hmm. had completely to do with the pressure from social media. Mm-hmm. And I got to a stage where I was so close to just having a, having like my own little meltdown that I went and I was like, I need to get help straight away. Um, and I think that's a sad thing. We do wait until we're about to stop and give up until we realize what's going on and you know it's very hard for me to say and like I'm not a I'm not an expert in this area of what you can do to stop that but the only thing I could say is just prioritizing things that make you happy Mm -hmm. so what I kind of tend to do before I go to bed is like I have a priority list of things that make me happy and I know it's gonna be different for everyone and some people are gonna be like oh my god your list is so boring but <laughs> mine's like mine's like you know going for a walk or going to the gym like that for me that's such a good headspace. it makes me feel good um I know for me eating well does make me feel good like we all love to indulge in it again but some you know what it's like if you do eat crap for a day you just feel shit about everything so for me it's training eating well and just getting some time in nature like they are priorities to me to make sure that I'm reset and that I'm that's like my little bit of Mm self-care so I just prioritize those prioritize those and fit them in my day and it's the only thing that kind of so simple it's so simple and I think what I what I realized last year was I was so burnt out and so overwhelmed I think that's the word I would use to describe myself last year overwhelmed and I realized that I hadn't been prioritizing the things that were so important to me. Yeah. And it was small things I could have been doing every single day to ensure that I was resetting. And including in that is sleep. Mm. I realized like last year I wasn't sleeping right at all. I was getting up and down out of bed like six or seven times a night. But I thought I was sleeping. And it's only now this year that I've really put an emphasis on self-care. I'm like, oh, now I'm sleeping. Yeah. I'm actually not that wasn't up. actually sleeping. I actually wasn't sleeping at all last year and I'm a just different person mm. you know and I think it's like I was so low last year and in comparison to now it's you always just have to remember that it is so important to kind of keep going and mm. get help because it's little things that add up 
mm, each day that make a, make a difference. Yeah, 100%. And this is a question that I just love to, to kind of wrap up with, but it's something that people I don't think take time to do often enough where we're so focused on the next thing or, we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're so... Uh, trained I guess to be focused on negatives or on failures rather than positives so what of everything that you've been through and you've been through a lot at such a young age um, and you've really managed everything so well and obviously it's some it's an ongoing process mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's like a fully yeah no done I, yet. you know what next year I might have a wobble again and but you'll have the tools I'll have the tools yeah. and I understand that there's no stigma related in going to a counsellor or talking to someone and it's so nice to go in and, and meet someone and talk to someone who's a complete stranger oh, you can great. be so honest yeah and I think when you can be really honest with someone even the fact you're you're hearing yourself say it out loud it helps. Yeah. So I guess my question was, what are you most proud of? What am I most about proud yourself? of about myself? I think it would have to be that, I guess it would be the fact that I, I'm very good at adapting. So from obviously starting off in the modeling industry that didn't really, you know, have much of a future. Like we all know modeling is like, you know, it's playing the lotto. You could, there's only very few that make it a long-term career um and I think being able to adapt to different roles like to adapt being able to run a food blog write cookbooks and even adapting all the time to traditional media to social media and I think that's a life skill that's really really helped me in that I'm able to adapt to different situations and different businesses quite well and I don't I'm not afraid to do that Mm. and how comfortable are you with the idea of failing at something it's so important the only time I've ever the only times I, I've learned and grown is if I failed brilliant 100% in everything and in business and I don't probably talk about it enough you know on social media but I have messed up so many things in business and it's made me a better business person yeah well that's what made me want to like when my books came out in America and I was posting about it well before they come out well yeah. before I went over there people were like kind of like oh like it's mad that you're sharing it before it's uh, you find out if it's a yeah. success or not and I'm like but this is what actually happens behind the scenes I feel like you look at someone on social media and you think wow it's just success after success after success and then you put that pressure on yourself but they have had to have the ups and downs and the rejection and everything so and I also feel that like when I put that out there I'm reinforcing it for myself that so what if it doesn't sell or whatever happens mm-hmm. it doesn't question my worth no and that's why I think it's okay to embrace failure and to embrace messing things up like yeah. me forgetting to bring the SD card no <laughs> but even like because when I release a book people are always like oh so how's it going what are the numbers I'm like well, I haven't yeah. checked the numbers and they're like do you not like know how many books you sold and I'm like I'm just not that kind of person anymore I spend so much time creating a great book yeah I love it exactly. and I'm proud of it and when I pass on that this is an actual thing that I have created I'm so proud of it mm. I just don't give a shit so like true. obviously I'd love people to go out and buy it but at the same time, I'm not going to be devastated if it doesn't do as well as the next ones. Like, yeah. there's a pressure there, but I'm not putting that on myself anymore. Even with the podcast, like, when it when it first came out, I didn't even... I was so, like, such a podcast virgin. Yeah. And a friend sent on the, the charts, and it had got to number one, which I didn't expect or even know was possible, and I thought it was a mistake. And I was like, oh, my God, number one. I put it on social media, and everyone's like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. And I made a decision from that moment on that I never was going to look at the charts again. Because if I saw myself dip down, which is inevitable... Yeah. I was going to feel like is it not good enough and I'm really proud of this podcast and and how much it's helping people and I think it's so important to constantly bring ourselves away from numbers oh big time and even when I released my podcast last week I didn't even look I didn't want to know and my sister sent me she's like oh my god it's number one and I was like I never want to see that again because that's 
that's what I felt like when I was modeling. When I got down to that certain number where everyone's like, you look great, the pressure to keep it there. And and it's just all numbers. And we live in a world of numbers. And I think to break out of it is a rebellious thing. So do it. Roz, you are a true inspiration. Thank you so much for spending time with me today for the Anxiety Podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.